Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are most Saturday nights. It's been a little while since we've been here. You know, the Patriots kept us off the air last week, which, you know... I was already debating whether or not to do the show because it was my birthday last Saturday, and then my favorite U2 cover band was playing locally, and I wanted to go see that. Happy birthday. Thank you. Then the Patriots had to go and lose the final game of the season, so they had to play wild card weekend. And then I go to the stadium, and I have to cover a losing playoff effort. So, yeah, whatever. I was turned 42. It's not like it's a big deal. Well, it's chance of life, universe, and everything. Now the same age as Tom Brady. So, the uh, <laughs> although unlike him, uh, my future is a little bit more certain. I, th- I think I'll be there next year. I don't know if he will be. Uh, but we are here to talk paranormal topics with you. And the big topic of the week was something that keeps coming up again and again in the paranormal world. Uh, that would be the Conjuring House, which is pretty close to here, about an hour away yep. in Harrisville, Rhode Island, a small kind of village of Boroughville, Rhode Island. So if you're, I think a lot of people around this area, if you're listening to us from the South Coast, you're probably familiar with that area because right next door in Smithfield, that's where people go to the drive-in. Yep. Where families go to the drive-in now, but <laughs> <laughs> in the old days, it was not a family place. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if in your time of, you know, running around as a teenager and going to drive-ins, was it, was it still an adult drive-in at that time? I, I never went there as a teenager. I went there in my um, late 20s, early 30s, but yeah, it was still adult. <laughs> <laughs> it was adult. When you, you went there when it was an adult driving. I'm not going to say. Were you in the car alone? No. All right, this is going to be a weird story. <laughs> this, this, this could be stranger than the rest of the show, so we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but if uh, those of you who have ever been out that way, you know, people always say, how do you know it used to be a, an adult driving? Just look at the sign. This is where it's called the Rustic Drive-In. Look it up. Look up on Google. Go to Google Images and type in Rustic Drive-In Rhode Island sign. And then take a look at the shape of the sign and tell me why you just know that it was an adult drive-in. It's still the same exact sign. It still looks like that. So anyway, but that's where uh, the the town of the little village of Harrisville is. And uh, if you remember a few months ago, actually it was, I think it was last June, June of 2019, the previous owner of the farmhouse um norma sutcliffe sold it to Corey and jen heinzen from maine and we had them on the show we were their yeah. first interview after buying the house you know there had been a few tv reports uh, our friend rj heim at channel 10 in providence he's all over all the paranormal stories and uh, and he went there and did a story about it being sold but they they didn't go on camera they were a little bit nervous at the time about you know speaking publicly, but we had them on the radio, and that's when uh, they kind of revealed to everybody that they paid four hundred and forty thousand dollars for that property. Yeah, and you know we talked to them about some of their plans, what they wanted to do with it, and one of the things that they wanted to do was allow for more paranormal investigation of the home. From my understanding. There had been a few people that Norma had allowed in. I believe she let our friend Ken DaCosta and yeah. Rise Up Paranormal in there in the past. And, of course, she was on an episode of Ghost Hunters in the second season, which everybody conveniently forgets when they start telling the Norma you know, story points of the fact that, oh, I never had any paranormal activity in this house. There's no ghost in this house. Everybody's just uh, repeating the story that the parents made up for money and all this. Well, except for the fact that you got paid 
to have ghost hunters come and film at your house. Yeah. So we'll get into some of that a little bit later on as well, because it's been extremely controversial for the last few years. I've, you know, when, when the conjuring came out, we'd heard this story for years from Keith Johnson, Yeah. Uh, Keith and Carl Johnson, the twin demonologists that you've heard on spooky South coast many times. We, we, we're friends with them. We hang out with them frequently. Uh, and, and all the times that we've hung out with them, I mean, they would always talk about the Perrin case. I remember when Spooky South Coast first started and Matt Costa and I were trying to get out and learn more about the paranormal so that we wouldn't sound like idiots on the radio. We took a course that Keith was teaching at South Coast Learning in New Bedford. So it was Keith and Carl and Sandra all teaching this course. And in that course, they talked about the Perrin case. They talked about working with, well, you know, having the case kind of taken away from them by Ed and Lorraine Warren. And then, you know, Keith would always point to that as being one of the most significant cases in his early days of, of paranormal research. So he was telling us for years before The Conjuring was even, even in production Correct. that Andrea's writing this book. You're going to want to have her on. It's, a, it's an amazing story. And it just so much worked out that we didn't really get her on until the movie was coming out. And then she came on and she shared with us her story. And as soon as we had her on, I start getting you know, emails and, and, and stuff from Norma Sutcliffe who wants to send me all the real information. And she sent me this huge packet in the mail disputing a lot of the things that Andrea was saying in her version of, of the history of the house, not about what happened to Andrea and her family, but about the history that they were presenting and that the movie was presenting about the house. So, you know, I get this big packet in the mail. I'm going through it all. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be the person to go on the radio and talk about all this stuff that came in this packet. So I said to Norma, you need to come on and be a guest and dispute all this. And we were actually trying to work it out where we would have gone to the house and broadcast from the house. Right. Um, for two reasons. One, we wanted to, to get in yeah. there to do it. <laughs> and two, it's easier than making her drive here in the middle of the night. She's an older lady. Yes. We didn't want to have her leaving here at you know 1230 at night to drive home to, to the woods of Harrisville. So that never ended up coming through you know all these plans of we'll do it we'll do it just kind of fell through and then when Corey and jen took over the house now they've allowed a couple of well they've allowed a lot of paranormal investigators in there in fact they have one who you know a friend of theirs who's staying there bill brock has been staying there since they bought the house and paranormal people are going through all the time so there's even like a wall where everybody kind of signs that, that went there but so ghost adventures went and filmed there uh, they filmed in early August, and that aired on Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then Kindred Spirits went and filmed there for this current season, which aired uh, last night. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's been in the paranormal media for the last couple of months, and so that's kind of kicked up a lot of the discussion about The Conjuring House. And one of the things that people have been sharing as they are talking about this case is a lot of the history that comes from the movie which is not 100% accurate even the stuff that happens to the parents in the movie is not 100% accurate which they will tell you you know that's Hollywood yeah we knew that it's based yeah. on a true story they're going to take some of the experiences that happened to us and then they're going to kind of do some other stuff for the purposes of storytelling and I've always suspected by looking at the way that that 
knowing the, what I know about the true story and looking at the way that that movie played out, I've always kind of made the assumption that... Uh, it was just Hollywood doing what well, they do. They had a script kicking around yeah. for a horror movie that was a similar story, and so they said, let's just merge the two together. And, and you know, they made a great movie. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of the better horror movies that have come out in the last 20 years. And it was a huge success. It cost $20 million to make, which is not a lot of money for a movie. No, not uh, these days. And, and probably most of that, you know, went to the special effects and the cast. Right. So, you know, you're looking at probably, you know, something that it's kind of, yeah. the, it's kind of an independent movie almost to some degree, but it ended up raking in over $200 million. It actually might've been over 300 million. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. I think it's, I think it was 216 million. Yeah. Uh, so it's a blockbuster success by by those by those terms, and it's one of the most successful horror films of all time. Horror series. Now. Well, now now yeah. it's begat this entire series. So all the Annabelle movies are tied in. They had the Conjuring sequel, which got even more into the idea of very loosely based on a true story with the Enfield Poltergeist, where they kind of um, really overplayed yeah. how much the Warrens were involved in that. And now there's a third movie coming out this year. So there, uh, it's it's called The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, or something like that. So that'll be coming out later this year. But we've had the Annabelle movies, the Nun movies. These mm-hmm. are all an offshoot of what they now call the Conjuring universe. And eventually, I don't know where it stands, but I know from what I've heard behind the scenes, Blumhouse, Jason Blum's production company that kind of runs the uh, Conjuring universe, has been trying to get the rights to Amityville, Amityville, which is currently owned, I believe, by Miramax. But because of all the stuff that's been going on with Harvey Weinstein, even though he's yeah. out of Miramax now, he's been out of Miramax <clears throat> for a while, but because of the publicity, that's like their, their, their productions aren't really getting released like they should. So it's kind of dragging a little bit these, these Amityville movies that they have in the pipeline. But I, from what I understand, from what I've heard behind the scenes, the plan is for them to make a bid to buy Amityville, the rights to the story, and then include that in the Conjuring universe, which they they kind of touched upon that a little bit. They teased it in the first Conjuring movie, and then they touched upon it a little bit at the beginning of the second uh, Conjuring movie, but they didn't call it the Amityville house because they didn't have the rights to. Now, I'm used to you know uh, stories being mutated or augmented by Hollywood uh, on real case good good example travis walton fire in the sky what right. they what they do with him what if to point out what what i'm saying is what you see that happens to all of the people that are left on out in the woods when travis was taken you know the way the sheriff's department grilled everybody and all of the you know searching and everything what happened basically here on earth is extremely accurate everything that you see happening to travis on board the craft after he's abducted is completely hollywood sure travis's actual experience is completely different and, than what and, they and you know what part of the problem is sometimes they can't recreate what the true story is sometimes uh, yeah. it's just they're limited by what they can do other times it's more like well we think audiences would believe this more yeah even though it really happened to you it's all about what the audience will be willing to what believe. they can sell right 
Yeah. So uh, the plan tonight is we're going to be joined uh, coming up in a few seconds here by Kenny Biddle, who's a paranormal researcher who has done a lot of research into the case of Bathsheba Sherman and how she ties into this whole story, because that's been a major bone of contention in The Conjuring Tale. And then coming up in the second hour, we'll be joined by Amy Bruni and Adam Berry of the show Kindred Spirits to talk about not only the new season of the show, but also to talk about their investigation of The Conjuring House that aired last night and uh, that I'm sure a lot of people are catching up with on the weekend if they didn't get the chance to watch it live. And they were also there for a, a viewing party last night. They had a, a viewing Excellent. party in the house, so we'll find out if anything happened while everybody was there. And then uh, later on in the show, we'll open up the phones because there's some people out there in the paranormal world that have had the chance to go and investigate this farmhouse over the years. Uh, and especially now that Corey and Jen own it, we welcome them to call in and share their own experiences. There's also been some people uh, who have been kind of arguing that there's nothing there at all. And so I've, inv I've reached out to a, a paranormal researcher by the name of Chris Barrico, who his group has been there a number of times when, under Norma's care, mm -hmm. when it was under Norma's care, uh, ownership. And he disputes a lot of the stuff that people are saying is happening now. So I've invited him to call in and, and share what he's experienced there, or actually not experienced there, and, and we can kind of really do a deep dive into this and start to tear this story apart a little bit. But let's get right into it. Let's bring Kenny on, and uh, I believe we have him on the line. Kenny, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, we can hear you. You sound great. And uh, oh, thank you for joining the show. Uh, I know we were going to talk about this a couple weeks ago, uh, but the game got... Uh, the show got pushed around with the Patriots game, but it turns out it's more fitting to have you now because this is Conjuring Weekend here. <laughs> so okay. uh, we've never had the chance to have you on the show before, and it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time because you've built a reputation over the years as being a real no-nonsense kind of researcher and, and not accepting stories at the face value and, and, and digging deeper than a lot of people will. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... that's I've, that's funny. No one's ever said that, but yeah, I, I guess that's, that's really what I do. I, I really don't take any crap. Um, I, I look at the stories and I find them fascinating, but sometimes, you know, the little details stick out that just don't seem right. So I get my, my OCD kicks in and I just have to research the crap out of it. And unfortunately that usually leads to debunking a lot of claims that come up because you find out through the research and the documentation that a lot of things aren't true. And one of the, um, you know, one of the cases that I think a lot of people kind of have the, 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 that alarm go off is the Conjuring case because it sounds so fantastical to people who have actually experienced real paranormal activity. It is. There's a lot of history that's been, that's been spread around. And I, I mean, with, with the internet and Facebook, social media and stuff like that, I mean, it's everywhere. And I mean, I've seen the stories. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of the bad stories spread far and wide over different... I mean, most of the time, it, it's copy and pasted. You know, like one website copies from another, and they just say it's rampant through the community. But you see a lot of this stuff out there. So, yeah, it, it's a very popular topic. Uh, so that causes you to kind of want to look a little bit deeper. What, what did you do when you first saw The Conjuring or, or first heard the, the, the story? What, what was your initial reaction to it? Uh, I really... I mean, it, it just... It was another story, because uh, I deal with this all the time. I, I, I write a column for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, so I'm constantly looking at, at different TV shows or uh, gadgets or something like that and, and, and trying to test the claims. So when this story came up, I mean, I had known about it for years, 
I've read about it. I, I mean, I have, I have my personal library of over 2,500 books, and a lot of them deal with uh, ghost stories, paranormal, and a lot of the sciences and, and true crime and stuff like that. But, so I, I was well acquainted with the story. And I really didn't pay too much attention to it because I just didn't think it was a, a, something I would get to. But um, with the movie coming out and with the new sale, when it, when it sold last year, it got in the news again. So it became something that, that, that got on my radar. And I was approached by several, pa- several people, authors, that had already looked into the history and were concerned because they, they were hearing the stories being recycled again. And of course, the big story, the big part of it of the of the historical aspect, we we can't really get into uh, what people experience when they go and investigate, or what people had happened to them when they lived in the house. I mean, that's kind of one of those things that you have to either accept at face value or you know be skeptical of. But you really can't get into a lot of the stuff that's happened in the past. One thing that we can look into is the actual historical facts of the case, and usually I can go. I can listen to the paranormal side of it as long as the history is correct. But this was a case where the history was kind of all messed up from the beginning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of stories that were associated. There's, there's two hangings. Um, there's a suicide. There's a couple suicides. Uh, and uh, two people freezing to death. There's a lot of stories about death in this house. And it just seemed like a lot. So... That's when I really wanted to get into it. I started reading other accounts and realized that, okay, some of this stuff isn't really panning out. Um, and uh, so it, not just looking at records online. I mean, that was a big part of it, uh, going through, like, Ancestry and going through birth, or not birth records because there were none for them, but going through obituaries and uh, census records. And even I, I even took a trip up there a few weeks ago to... Um, talk to Norma. I, I actually sat down with Norma Sutcliffe and uh, Kent Spotswood, who is a retired journalist, and he's really researched the hell out of this case, um, the history aspect of it. So it was nice actually to team up with both of them and get their information and then start verifying uh, the facts, not taking their word for it either. And that was the beautiful thing, especially working with, with Kent, because he's a retired journalist. He knows the game. Um, he knows that I'm going to ask him awkward questions and he was perfectly comfortable with it which was great it was good working with somebody like that and what was your impression of norma when when you went up and met with her she's feisty (laughs) she's definitely a feisty lady um i like her i like her a lot and i I really got to say i mean she she often gets a bad rap from from different paranormal uh investigators or ghost hunters or what have you because she is very forthcoming she's very blunt um she's very adamant but uh and, and most most of the people i i've had conversations with people actually one with um uh amy bruni just a couple days ago uh we, i was chatting with her over text but people tend to say hey you know she sold the house she should just move on you know and forget about it and i gotta say like that it's not that easy it's really right. not that easy because when you have these television shows or, or radio programs or podcasts or books that constantly bring up the former owner, the former owner. They keep saying this and then putting a claim to it that is often false, then it's up to her. I mean, she does have a right to defend herself sure. and try to set the record straight. And 
you can imagine that after years of this, of dealing with this, it gets frustrating, you know? And I, so I can understand her, her aggressive attitude sometimes. Uh, and I was prepared for that. I, I knew that she, she was a feisty woman, but I contacted her. We, we spoke and we got along great. I explained exactly what I was doing, what I was looking for. She provided me with the same, probably uh, big, thick packet of, of papers <laughs> <laughs> that she sent you. <clears throat> and I actually sat, I, I, I am that guy. I sat down and went through every page meticulously, made my own notes next mm-hmm. to her notes, and said, you know, I have to check this, I have to check that. I filled half of a, a regular uh, college-ruled notebook just with notes <clears throat> that I had to verify um, to see what was going on, to see if I could verify this fact or this fact. So my impression of her, I like her. She's a, she's a really nice lady. Um, she's just dealt with a lot of crap over the years. And, I mean, she, she has a right to be, you know, bitter, if, if you will. She really does. Um, you know, like the, the Ghost Adventures show, they, they kind of made her husband out to look like a crybaby. And right. that really pissed me off. It really pissed me off because that's not how it went down. And when you, when you actually contacted her and you got the facts, you verified the reports, it wasn't even her. It wasn't even her husband that they were talking about. They got it wrong. So, I mean, I can understand her hostility. Right. I mean, um, and, and I can give her uh, the... the uh, benefit of I, the doubt? Not the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, but I can give her the right to want to defend herself in her own name. Like, if you want to say to these production companies that are coming and filming television shows there, hey, I don't want my name mentioned. I don't want my husband's name mentioned. In fact, I don't really want any loose mention of me at all because it only takes one quick Google search to know who they're talking about. So I'd rather not have myself brought into this at all. I think that that's a fair right to do. My problem is that she seems to be somebody who uh, is, is standing against what's going on there now. And to my, my point with that is once you got that check for $440,000, it's not your problem anymore. It's not your place anymore to decide what happens with the story there. So I can understand wanting to keep herself out of there. But from my understanding, it's it goes beyond that. It's that she just can't let anybody tell that story at all, whether her name or, or her likeness is involved in it at all. Right. Well, there, there's more to the story um, that I was able to dig out, but I didn't put out in public because uh, there's, there's a third party involved um, and I'm not going to go into it because uh, that that person wanted to, to stay out of it for now. Right, I, I, I know uh, what you're referring to. Okay, so there is more to the story that people don't know. Um, the general public that, that is interested in this just doesn't know. Um, so that does factor in, but that's honestly, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, I was interested in researching the history and getting the history right, right, um, and clearing historical figures' names. Um, the rest of it is for other people to deal with, not me. Exactly, and I, I, I like that approach. All we can really do is is try and make sure that we get as you know. And I'm, I'm when I say this, I'm speaking as somebody who does the research for some of these television programs that I've worked on. You know, all we want to do is make sure that we present the most accurate history that we can. Um, and I've fought. I've fought with network notes before where I've said, here's what's going on. Here's the history. Here's what's going on. Well, 
can we say that, you know, maybe it's this? Is it possible that maybe it's this? And, and my answer is always no. What I gave you is what I have. Anything beyond that is just your speculation. And I'm not in the business of speculating. So, and I've come across that with uh, a few production companies myself. And unfortunately, um, not all of them are as honest as we would like them to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I've run across where they've put out complete fabrications of historical uh, events and people. And I've had to go in and do the research. And luckily, they, they these specific TV shows, which I won't go into because it doesn't have to do with this case, but those were really angry. And the, the locations actually contacted me to help with the research, which I was happy to do and just prove the, the episode's completely wrong. And, and it's, uh, it sounds like when we're saying that, though, that we're saying that, um, you know, like it's this malevolent thing that TV networks are, are doing. And I think people have to understand that for the most part, the network, people running the networks, they just don't care if the history yeah. is right or not. It doesn't matter. They're not in the business of, of uh, it's not a historical documentary. They're just making 44 minutes of entertaining television and they want the dramatic flair. And, it, you know, the history is nice if it's right, but if it's not, they're fine with it the same way movies are with just taking some dramatic license with it. So, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that we're adamant about the history being right because most paranormal researchers are historians at heart, but they look at it as what's the big deal if we twist some of the facts a little bit. Right. And, and that's, to me, that's sad. That's, mm-hmm. It's sad and pathetic, honestly. I mean, we know, we know the difference between a movie and a, a so-called reality show. And even though I don't expect the reality shows, because that's what these ghost hunting shows are, I don't expect them to actually be reality. You know, I've seen them, I've seen them work, I've seen the behind the scenes stuff, so I know they do takes over and over again, but I would at least expect them to try to get the history right, and, I, and I'm not saying all of them do, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put a blanket statement out there, but just from my own experience dealing with some of them, not all of them, but some of them, yes, they, they don't care, and that's sad, because you're putting out false information to an audience that you know is hanging on every word of the, these ghost hunters and, and what they're putting out there. You know, so it's spreading misinformation. And, and, it's, and from my perspective, it's wrong. And I don't like it. That's why I don't watch the shows. <laughs> right. And, and I <laughs> really... I, I don't really I, I don't, either. But one show that I, I do enjoy is Kindred Spirits because knowing Amy and Adam, I know how much they are of the same mindset that we are. That the history has to be right. And, of course, not everything's going to be foolproof. Not everything is, you know, what you, what you come across as with the history is only as good as the records that you find. So, yeah, there's going to be some things that will slip through the cracks with anything or some mistakes that will be made with anything. But for the most part, they care very much about getting the history right and, and with good reason because that's what they are. That's the whole reason they got involved in this in the first place is, at least in Amy's perspective is you know she's she's a historian more than she is an investigator she's a researcher more than she is an investigator and i love the fact that you know they're the executive producers of that show so they have more clout to be able to say to the network like no we're not doing that this is what the case is and we're not going to go down this path just because you think it would make more entertaining television and i'm just assuming that that would be what happens i don't even think that that's even ever happened with them because 
of the nature of the program and the, the network understands what they're getting. I don't, you know, it's a little bit different when you're dealing with a show when they're like, well, we're sending people into these uh, abandoned asylums. Can't they find some demons in there sometimes? Like, listen, <laughs> every time I try to find a demon, they never return my calls. So I yeah. can't say for sure there's a demon there. But I have that problem too. <laughs> <laughs> you can only give them what you can give them. But the, the important thing about this case, and, and I think we, we got to get kind of into some of the meat of where things sure. went really bad with this, is... The movie presents this story, and it's kind of the story that was presented in the time leading up to the movie, that Bathsheba Sherman was somehow involved in this. And I know that you've done significant research into who Bathsheba was. Just really quickly, you know, the movie portrays her as being a woman that lived in the house, which is not accurate, but the woman lived in the house, killed a baby, was accused of being a practicing witch and was hanged from a tree on the property. And therefore she's now cursed that land. And she was the spirit that was attacking the parents and anybody else that went into that house. And I think there's not a single bit of that. That's completely accurate. Uh, and I'm sure your research probably showed a lot of that. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> there is no documentation whatsoever. Um, that, that supports those stories. And it's really shameful. Um, I mean, it, the movie portrayed it, and unfortunately, um, Andrea's par Andrea Perrin's first book portrayed it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that really solidified it in some of the lit literature. So, I mean, that's, I, I bought her all three of her volumes and read through them. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it just really um, recycled some of that mythology about it. And it, it, it's just not true. I mean, the documents that we have for Bathsheba Sherman... We have, we have a, oh man, what do we have? Let me check my notes here, because I, sure. I, I, there was so much I wasn't sure we were going to talk about, but we have, let's see, we have a few census records, we have the obituary, and her will. That's it. That's the only documentation whatsoever we have of her. And she was never an Arnold. She was never part of the Arnold family. And we can trace that through the genealogy, uh, that she married, uh, she married a guy named Sherman, she went right from her uh, her Thayer farm because she, let's see, I want to make sure I don't mess this up. And the Thayers but, are a huge uh, family in Rhode Island. I mean, they're all over Rhode Island. Right. Thayers. Yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's the problem. <laughs> There's so many, but they're not related. It's the same surname, but they're not necessarily related. Um, so Bathsheba Sherman was actually born a Thayer. So she was born to her, her uh, father was Thayer and her mother was H Hannah Taft. Um, they lived on the Thayer farm, and as soon as she married, as soon as Bathsheba married, um, she moved to the Sherman farm, and that was it. She was never on the Arnold farm. She was never on the estate. She never worked for them. I mean, to, so, be, to be fair, she may have crossed paths. She may have visited. I mean, from what I understand, the Sherman farm was about a mile away. Yeah. So, I mean, she may have been on the property. We can say may, but I right. mean, that, that's... Yeah, we can say she may have visited, she may have known them, but the we have stories, no proof. Yeah, the stories specifically indicate that she lived there mm -hmm. and she worked there. So we can we can say with one hundred percent accuracy, no, she did not. She worked on her own farm, and that was it. She uh, had never been accused of a crime, um, and that was the big thing. Uh, that was the whole witch uh, story that she had killed a young baby, uh, like a little baby with a, a sewing needle to the back of its skull. And, I mean, it, I don't know where that story came about. Um, it actually came out, um, you mentioned Keith Johnson. 
and his book that details um, his visit there was the first one that actually picked that up. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't actually blame Bathsheba. He gave a story about an old woman that came to babysit uh, a baby at the Arnold estate and killed the baby. And it, it, I think it was more for because she was angry at the family. She didn't like the Arnold family. And then in Keith's book, um, Bathsheba, which was referred to as Bathsheba Green for her second husband, was mentioned as a separate person. So in the years later, the Bathsheba Green slash Sherman and this witch figure became one character. And and from and, from my understanding, uh, this is what I what I've heard Andrea say before is that that information came to them because in 1973 when they were researching this case. Uh, that they had a researcher that was working with them then from the historical society who had this false information about Bathsheba Sherman being involved in the murder of this baby. And what happened was um, they were relating that story to Lorraine Warren during the Warren's investigation. And Lorraine came out with the information of that's what happened. That baby was killed in this house and Bathsheba's who's ha- who haunts this house. So it was, Lorraine's kind of split-second interpretation of historical information she was given that led to this this legend and rumor for years. I, 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 and when you read uh, Andrew's book, it really comes out to um, the, the mother, Carolyn Perrin, was the one that had the information. She had the information. She went and, and found some kind of record that no one else has been able to locate. But she found these records that had the whole story about Bathsheba and the needle and the baby and the murder and all this stuff. She related it to the Warrens. And then the Warrens got up and declared that, you know, this witch is here and her name is Bathsheba. And that is actually, that's directly from Andrea Perrin's book, volume one. So when you read it, she sets the stage. The mother got the information, related it to Lorraine Warren, and then Lorraine Warren made this, this grand announcement. There was no psychic vision. I mean, according to this record, mm-hmm. it was just information was passed on and she ran with it. And and this has been the main point of contention more than anything between Norma Sutcliffe and the parents over the years. I mean, obviously, you know, Norma, everything ramped up a bit when the conjuring came out and people started showing up in her yard. You know, when yeah. you have all these, cause it wasn't that hard to find if you went online to figure out what the address was of the farmhouse. And so people were showing up to the point that we had, we were putting out the call for paranormal groups in the area to go and stand watch 24 hours a day to keep people off the property. It was that bad. So right. y- you can understand the animosity that only got even more ramped up. I remember sitting on the stage during a panel discussion at the ocean state Paracon. And I'm sitting next to Joe Chin from Ghost Hunters, and on one side of him is on Andrew is Andrea Perrin, on the other side of me is Roger Perrin, and Norm is sitting in the audience. And everybody knows they see her sitting there with her with her manila folder, her packet of information, and we're waiting. We're just waiting for her to be the one to ask the next question. And when she did, she stood up and she said, "When are you going to stop keeping this BS story going about?" Uh, Bathsheba Sherman being a witch and she starts you know making these accusations and Andrea starts crying and Roger stands up and looks at her and yells you shut your goddamn mouth right now and like Joe and I are just sitting there between the two of them like trying to calm them down and hold them back but it was like all hell was finally breaking loose in, in, in what had been going on over the years with them and I think 
maybe after that, I don't know exactly when, but certainly by the time she was on Ghost Adventures, Andrea was accepting more of the what we think is now the true history, that Bathsheba was wrongly accused and she had nothing to do with this. So at least that story has kind of shifted over the years, but the movie keeps it persisting. Yeah, and if you read the books um, that Andrea Andrea wrote, um, by volume two, you start to see the narrative change. Um, And then by volume three, the blame for the, the evil woman that haunts the house has shifted from Bathsheba uh, to Susan Arnold, who was another person, um, Mrs. John Arnold, um, who first name was Susan. But the, the blame is shifted to that person as the spirit that haunts the house and is the evil person. Um, so you definitely, as you read the three volumes, which is a, a lot, you know, I mean, it, I don't want to be mean, but it's way too much. Um, it could all fit in one volume. But as you read through the three volumes, you see this uh, the shifting of blame that goes to Susan Arnold. And that's, that actually made me laugh because Susan Arnold is another person that they claim uh, committed suicide in the house, actually hung herself in the barn. Um, and the records show that, no, no she didn't. Um, she was not, she didn't live on the farm. She didn't work on the farm. She did not kill herself on the farm. She did commit suicide but it wasn't on the farm. She was actually in a house about, I think, about four miles away. Um, Let me check my record here. But, uh, yeah, she was in a... She was 50 years old, and she died in 1866. She hung... Her husband actually found her in a storage closet that was halfway up their stairs. Um, And the obituary actually states that the husband climbed through a window onto a shed roof and went on through another window to get into this storage oh, wow. room, which is not possible with the, the Harrisville farmhouse because of the, stru- the way the structure set up. Um, and also, I checked the uh, registry, the uh, directory records for the time and found out where they actually lived, and they lived in a different district than the farmhouse was. So Susan Arnold, a.k.a. Mrs. John Arnold, actually didn't live anywhere near that house. She was miles away. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't hang herself. But she was actually set up. I mean, when you read the obituary, this woman was determined. She had locked herself in, in this storage closet. She not only hung herself, but she had set up a gun, a knife, uh, a vial of poison. She had laid out her burial clothes in her bedroom. So wow. she was, she, I mean, she, uh, pardon the pun, but she was dead set on, on doing this. Um, so there was no stopping her. So that's another, another one of the, uh, the, the folklore that are associated with a farmhouse that unfortunately are just not true. Well, and, and that's the problem that we run into. Listen, I, I, I like all the people that are involved in this case. I, I don't have any ill will toward everybody. I love everyone. I love Roger. He's a historic, uh, a hysterical guy. Cracks me up every time I get to be around him. Love Andrea. She gives the best hugs out of anybody in the paranormal, although Rosalind Bond might, Bond might kind of you know, challenge that a little bit, but I'm, I'm really, you know, a fan of all these people that are involved. What happens is in New England, we see it happen all the time, and, and Amy and Adam will be able to talk about this too, um, because they do a lot of cases here in New England, is we fall victim here to the word of mouth history, because we have such a rich history here, and because there is a lot of dark stuff that gets talked about over and over again, it becomes the telephone game, where people start to accept the history that they've been told rather than the history that's been written down. Well, I think that's not, that's, that's, that's common. I mean, when, when you look through the, the entire paranormal community, I can 
I've been involved with this community for the last 25 years. God damn, I'm old. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've gone to all these, I've gone to, to hundreds of conferences and lectures and events and stuff. And what you just described is common. It, it's very common. People love to, they tell the stories. And for some reason, everyone seems to automatically take the stories at face value. There's very few people that take the time to research it and verify whether that story is true or not. And, and that's a big problem. So it's not just, you know, you, you guys up in that area. It's all over. It's rampant throughout the community. And I, I really wish, if, if anyone can take anything from this, please just do your due, due diligence. You know, do your research. Look into the history. See if the claim is, has any, any merit, has, has any basis. Because you, you might find when you do the actual digging that you're going to find weirder stuff that nobody's talked about for 100 years that, uh, you know, was kind of buried, you know, again, no pun intended. So right. Katie, we're, we're just about out of time here uh, before we have to take a break for the news. Uh, just uh, how can people follow along with your work if they want to find out more about you and, and some of the research that you've done? Uh, if you want to find my work, you can go on to Skeptical Inquirer uh, magazine. Um, you, I think it's skepticalinquirer.com. And then just look up my name, Kenny Biddle. Um, it's all there. If you go on Facebook, uh, you can look up Kenny Biddle, and my blog will pop up. I also have another blog that I just started called Sherlocking the Paranormal because nice. I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. And, and that's pretty much it. I do travel around to conferences and stuff in the, the tri-state area um, on the East Coast because I'm based in Pennsylvania, so I go to Jersey, New York, Delaware, and, and all around. So... I might be at a conference. I set up. I, I set up a skeptics booth, which looks like uh, Lucy's uh, <laughs> psychiatric booth from Peanuts, um, except it says skeptical help. Do I have and, to give you a nickel? Uh, I you don't have to, but I do take the donations. I have a donation can out, and all the money goes to the cancer research. Oh, uh, in that case, I'll bring plenty of nickels. There you go. So yeah, it all goes to the charity. I don't. I don't make any money off of this. So uh, I just do it because I, I love researching. Well, I'll tell you there what, you I'd love to have you come back on and do a full show with us sometime where we can really do some, you know, maybe we can dispel a lot of paranormal myths about some of these cases that you've looked into over the years. I think that'd be... Uh, I love, love it. I would love it. Yeah. All right. Well, we will definitely be in touch. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you, and have a great night. You as well. Bye. So that is uh, Kenny Biddle. We will actually continue this discussion coming up after the news. We're going to have Amy Bruni and Adam Berry joining us to talk about their research into the case as well, what happened during filming, uh, maybe if anything happened last night during the watch party that they had there. And, and we can get more into some of this idea because one thing you'll notice if you watch the episode, not to give you a spoiler alert if you haven't watched it already, but you will not hear the name Bathsheba Sherman mentioned in the episode, and that was on purpose. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk with them about that as well as some of the other cases that you can expect coming up on this season of Kindred Spirits. And of course, the new cast member as well, Chip Coffee, now a full-time cast member of Kindred Spirits. So we'll talk about all that more. And then a little bit later on, we'll open up the phone lines. If you have investigated the Harrisville Farmhouse, if you have been there, if you have questions, if you have problems with some of the stuff that's been out there about the place, you can call in and share those, discussion, uh, share those thoughts with us during the discussion a little bit later on in the program. We are going to take a break for the news right now. When we come back, we'll have more. Uh, remember, 
remember, if you have ever missed any part of a show or any of the shows at all, this is like number almost number 600, then all you have to do is go to SpookySouthCoast.com or subscribe to our podcast feed on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts, and you can get every single episode we've ever done. So we'll take a break for the news now. We'll come back with more on The Conjuring Case here on Spooky South Coast. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Well, that didn't work out. We'll fix it in post. Welcome back, hour number two of Spooky South Coast. See, that's what happens when you're trying to do it off the internet because somebody took your theme song out of the computer here and I didn't remember to have them fix it. So what happened was, as we rebuilt this system with the new automation, I put it in. And I went in and I learned, that's how I like learned how to stick stuff into the system was by putting the spooky theme song in. And I was like, well, now I know how to do it and I can do it anytime. Well, it got removed somehow when we weren't here. Today's biggest You can be quiet. Yeah. It got removed somehow. And what happened was I remembered how to put it in, but I can't find it <laughs> from where I originally pulled it. So I don't know what's going to happen. I love the spooky South Coast theme, but maybe we'll just get a new one made. Our friends uh, who made that theme song have been hard at work on some stuff that I'll have uh, coming up soon that, uh, for something that we're working on, but uh, maybe we can see if they can write a new spooky theme as well. Yeah. Just a little something updated. And uh, what we do is we, we use that on purpose so that we can still run it and not have YouTube flag it yeah. as being uh, uh, a copyrighted. Yeah, yeah, copyrighted song. Yeah, and, and sometimes YouTube still tries to pull that stuff anyway and I have to tell them, like, no, this was made specifically for us. So uh, we are back. And uh, if you missed the first hour, we were talking with Kenny Biddle about the Conjuring case and about his research into Bathsheba Sherman, who was accused of being a witch and accused of killing a baby and accused of committing suicide or being hanged, rather, I should say, uh, from a tree on the property. Of, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know all of this stuff. And of course, none of it turns out to actually be historically accurate. So we wanted to kind of clear the air a little bit about that for people who might not i mean even people in the paranormal world are still believing that version of the story uh so we wanted to make sure that we could kind of clear that up a little bit but of course the big television episode this week was kindred spirits the second season uh, second episode of the new season aired last night and it was all about that farmhouse but it was a totally different take than what you might have seen in some of these other shows and it was on ghost adventures and it was talked about and it was investigated on ghost hunters years ago but this was the first time that extended members of the parent clan were brought back to that farmhouse and we're going to find out about what that was like with our guests right now uh, on the line we have i think we have amy on this line hello amy are you with us no here i am all right and hang on we're going to bring adam on as well adam is that you Oh, I'm here. I'm so glad. I hope it is. Yeah, I'm glad it's you and not Lamone. No offense, (laughs) Lamone, but I was just expecting Adam to call in on that line. So, of course, uh, last night was the uh, the 
big Conjuring House episode of Kindred Spirits, but the week before was the season premiere. And from what I've understand, from what I understand, this season has been even bigger than the previous seasons of Kindred Spirits. That must make you guys feel really good. Yeah, I mean, we're ecstatic about it. I, it's one of those things where, like, you don't really realize how big it's going to be until it actually airs. You know, we're Adam and I are our own worst critics, right, Adam? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were just both, like, very hesitant because every time we try something new or we kind of think outside the box or we, we dig even further into research and we just, you know, we want to bring everybody along and we just never know how everybody's going to take it. But so far, so good. Yeah, and I think, we're you know, episodes in, we're, we, good. we're now in season four. And so as we're gearing up for these seasons and getting these cases, more people know what we're doing and know what we're about. And so they come to us with their problems in their cases and i think it's just a testament to what we do you know we stick to our guns and we end up getting these certain cases and we never know how the audience is going to take the cases that we do but we want to speak as truthfully and as factually in what we're doing and we lay it all out and we say well this is it this is what what we've got so i hope you guys like it (laughs) And, and i'm sure it's easier to do that when you're dealing with uh, cases that it's a family coming to you in uh, you know a residential home that nobody's ever heard of, and, and most people have no idea that this family's been going through what they've been going through, and so there's you know less of a spotlight on it. But you've also mm-hmm. done some some pretty notable places over the last couple of years that you know you're actually going to places where there is a history behind it that people are familiar with, but you're going at it with the same approach that you take to every other case it's not so much about you know what you might have seen in, in in a movie or in any other investigation it's about what is happening to the people that are there the people that are involved with it and how you can try to find a way to help with that yeah and it's hard because some of them you know there, there's already so much information out there and everything but adam and i have both agreed like every case we go in pretending like we know nothing and we just start from square mm-hmm. one as far as research. And sometimes it seems kind of like redundant. You're like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Like this is, you know, this information is already out there and readily available, but you just have to like make sure. And so we always just pretend like we know nothing and just go in with a clean slate. So Adam, how'd you feel when, uh, when the conjuring house came up as a, as a potential case? I mean, here's the tea. <laughs> everyone knows what they what they think they know about the conjuring, right? So everyone's got this uh, gut reaction when they hear the conjuring house, but their their gut reaction is based on a Hollywood franchise, right? Unless they're really into the paranormal and they've done their own research and they you know and they read their own books, right? So getting the opportunity to go into a location that ha- is so notorious was great on the flip side you have uh jen and Corey, who we've known for a while who are our friends who have legitimate claims and legitimate activity in this house and you have the parents who we know and we know their stories and their claims and i think being able to start from the ground up to start from scratch and go into that place and do factual research and history and know what the actual history is of that space and say, well, what is Corey and Jennifer having? Like, no spoilers. I'm not trying to give any spoilers away. But, like, what is their activity? What experiences are they having 
and does it correlate with anything that's happened in the past? And um, I think that was the most thrilling thing. I mean, yes, we're in this house that I've, you know, my God, I've wanted to be in that house. I've wanted to be inside that house, of course. But, like, you have to sort of throw all of that aside because if you let it get the best of you, you're going to miss things that are right in front of your face, and you are going you're going to try to take the easy route because you think you know what's happening, but really you don't like it's a, it's a whole new thing. And, and Amy, the, the question I think skeptical people will ask is they'll say, well, wait a minute, you know, Corey and Jen, they bought this house knowing full well what the history was. They're paranormal investigators themselves. They dropped a lot of money on this house. You know, how can they be reaching out to you and saying, uh, you know, we bit off more than we could chew here. We think that we need you to come in and, and give us some help. But in actuality, that was the case. I mean, Corey still hasn't been able to move his family into the house, at least as far as I know. And, you know, we're, we're months after when, when the episode was filmed. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think that anyone is a paranormal, like anyone who's really into the paranormal, myself included, is if I had known that house was on the market before Corey, I would probably own that house. <laughs> yep. But, you know, yep, it's just one of those 100%. things. Like, first of all, it's a beautiful home. Uh, it's on a beautiful plot of land. It's a great neighborhood. It's a great area. Like, there's so many things going for it. And and then if you're an investigator, it's got this amazing history. And um, so I totally understand why they bought it. And I just remember, you know, I was doing the Ocean State Paracon, and... Corey approached me there and he was just like, we really want you guys to come investigate the house and Corey and Jen both. And they just both seemed very concerned. And in it, you know, I know it's easy to say like they bit off more than they could chew, but I, I just feel like they, they just needed like a second, third, fourth, whatever opinion, because yeah. uh, even though it's, it's such a notoriously haunted house, I just don't think they expect, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I think we all go into it, like, kind of taking it with a grain of salt. But I think once they actually got into the home, and I think especially once their son started having experiences, that kind of put it into perspective for them. I think we take it for granted a little bit until maybe your kid starts having something right. happen. And then you're like, oh, wait, what did I do now? Like, I, I need to fix this somehow. There's there's a haunted uh, house here in Massachusetts that uh, is trying to become a bed and breakfast. And it's been under renovation for a number of years. And the owners who don't live around here were looking for somebody to live because you have to be owner-occupied in Massachusetts. And mm -hmm. so they, they said, hey, Tim, we'd like to offer you the chance to, to live in the house completely rent-free. You don't have to worry about booking the bed and breakfast. We have somebody that's going to take care of all that. You just have to be on the property as your residence. And we will pay your heat we will pay your electricity you don't have to pay rent the only thing you'll be responsible for is your own cable but we will provide you with wi-fi and mm. when you hear that you're like this is the greatest thing that i've ever heard of of course i want to do this and all it took was just mentioning it to my son who wants nothing to do with the paranormal yeah. for him to say hell no and mm -hmm. then you yeah. look at this great opportunity and you say okay i have to turn this down Right. Well, and also, and, also yeah, and that's hard that, because you once to, you do it, like maybe you just don't even think to talk to your child. Like, it, you know, you don't, and, and then once you do it, you're like, oh wait, I did this, and they're not happy. And and you know, their son is so he's so sweet and quiet, and I think that was really what spurned their want for us to come in. And Adam, you were yeah. saying? 
Well, no, I was, Sorry, you know, so I was just saying. This is the first time this has ever happened. For me. <laughs> it's just the way the phone lines cross. He's he's still just he's still just as talkative. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I'm like every once in a while I hear like a Amy's like I just I, it, oh, I, it I'm like um, I was gonna say you know you have two people like Corey and Jen who are paranormal investigators and by the way openly saying no spoiler alerts like I think they're the they're the two of the best people that could have bought that house and really continue investigating that house right but if they had come out immediately and been like hi all of this stuff is happening to me it's like do you believe them because there have been so many people that have owned that house and you know do we believe them or not like what's the activity what's it like so i think it was smart of them to get a second opinion about what's happening in the house for the sake of their family and you know, for the sake of the community, because this is a it's a house that everybody wants to know about, right? So if they showed up and been like, "Oh yeah, it's crazy active, it's crazy active," on their own without getting a second opinion, I think you know, I think they did the right thing. I think they did the right thing by at least having us come in and and start from the ground up to try to figure it out. And and Amy, what went into the decision to try to bring back you know the whole Perrin family? I mean, Andrea had been to the house before. Um, I think Roger had been there before, but the you know the sisters had been it had been a while since some of them had been there. Some of them not since they left, right? Yeah, and um, so that was something that we thought. So we started wondering because we knew that the former owner uh, did not have a ton of activity, and so but then Corey and Jen were having activity, and the parents were having activity, and so we were thinking, okay, is it? the people like is is it the is there something about like a personality type in that house that makes it active uh and so that's why we brought the parents back and um andrea was a really big factor in that because her sisters really wanted nothing to do with it like they did not want to come back especially cindy did not want to come back to the house to the point that once she got there and i saw like how disturbed they were I I felt guilty asking them to do it. Like, they just genuinely, it was like a PTSD moment. They were shaking, crying. Uh, I felt, I mean, I think Adam and I both just felt so bad. But um, I think that the way she talked them into it was that, you know, there's new owners now, and they have children, and they're having activity. And, you know, and honestly, I thank goodness for this, but we have a, a, a good reputation, and, and so she was able to kind of stand behind uh, us and just say, you know, these are the these are the people that we want to help, and they want to help the family. And so all we have to do is show up, and let's just see what happens. And uh, and so that's really how it came about. So it was it was really Andrea. I you know I approached her about I approached her about it right away. Like I I mean as soon as Corey and Jen came to us, uh, and Andrea came to me at the same time at at that Ocean State Paracon. I immediately said to her, I, I think we need to get all of you back there. So, And, and I can vouch for this because I'm sitting right next to you and you're right next to Andrea. Right we were all, it's all, everybody's right there. <laughs> See, I, I, I was just wondering if there's any truth to the rumor that Andrea lied to the family and told them they were all just going to Wright's Chicken Farm. <laughs> and then just went to the Maybe farmhouse that's instead. What happened. <laughs> that's a that's a Rhode Island joke for some of you people that aren't from the area. Uh, the, by the way, I went there after the Ocean State Paracon, and it was nowhere near as good as I remembered it from when I was like eight years old. Oh, so no. didn't a bunch of people get like sick there? I'm not just... surprised. <laughs> the most undercooked chicken I've ever eaten in my life, which I shouldn't have eaten it, but it was in front of me, so I did. I was hungry. 
<laughs> so one of the, the big changes uh, that's happened since Corey and Jen took the house over, though, is that there are people that are going in there and, and investigating more often. Now, when, when you guys went and filmed, it was still kind of in the early days of them owning the house, so a lot of people hadn't been in there yet. But last night, you had the chance to, to visit for a, a viewing party for the episode's mm-hmm. debut, and a lot of the people who have been there investigating showed up and were part of this. Did anything happen last night when everybody was together watching the show? Uh, it was oh, quiet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think so. Our idea was, I told Corey and Jen, I was like, you know, why don't we make this into something? Because, you know, they've been trying to work really closely with the historical society. So everyone who came last night made a donation to the historical society, and, and so that's what that it was. Uh, and so it was like kind of a nice party, and it was a really happy atmosphere. And I didn't have any activity, but we weren't there. At a lot. Adam, did you have anything happen? I'm sorry, you're breaking up. D- did you have anything happen while you were there last night? Well, I was going to say, listen, nothing happened that I I would classify as like completely paranormal. How to the ever. We were all watching this episode and... Oh, yeah. Remember this, Bruni? Mm-hmm. We're watching oh, the remember. episode and the feed of the episode would stop and it would like, it would wait like five or ten seconds and it would restart but then it would skip over like important, like a minute of information, but the commercials were totally fine. This only happened when the show was actually on and it did it at weird, crucial moments when we were talking, like when we were investigating or like really delving and talking about this female figure who we think we contacted, um, it would, it would mess up. Like, could it be the cable? Sure. Could it be the satellite? Absolutely. But it was weird, and we made fun of it. So is it paranormal? I have no hey, idea, but I'm, it pissed us off. So. I'm just going to say, it didn't, it didn't happen at my house. Exactly. No. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it was probably satellite, but it, when you know we're all sitting there and this is happening, and it, it made us mad, nonetheless. You know, we wanted to blame somebody. <laughs> um, but it was, I think it was really cool to be there with everyone and watch the episode. And... Um, the lady that we got to interview at the Historical Society, um, she was there with us. We um, we learned, you know, she's an amazing human being who, you know, her and her husband, I think, restored graves on, on the normal. And uh, she was there, and she loved the episode. And, you know, before she left, we were like, we will do anything you want to do uh, to help restore, like, Bathsheba's grave, because obviously it's been, you know, they moved it and removed it uh, for reasons, because everyone thinks she's there, which she's not. Um, and we were like, we'll do anything we can to help you because, you know, we want to uh, tell the story. So it was a really fun uh, sort of family reunion with people that really care about the property and really care about the history of that space. And uh, and Amy, I know that Bathsheba was purposely not mentioned at all in the episode mm-hmm. uh, because, as you said, you know, she doesn't play a part in the story. Yeah, I mean, so we made a really difficult decision with this episode. So every every single episode of Kindred Spirits up to this point has featured our research, and because we do a ton of research, like it is just as important to us as the actual like investigation. And the problem here was that everything about that house is incorrect. Like everything anyone's been told is not right. And, and I don't even know that it's necessarily like done in a, in a negative way. I just think people were misinformed for a very long time mm-hmm. and it would have required like an entirely different episode or like two hours of our time to go into like 
the actual history of the home. And, and it is documented, and it's hard to find. You know, it's a lot of digging. It's a lot of looking at maps. Um, and so we were like, we had this moment where we were like, well, we just need to focus on everyone's experiences here and figure out what's going on. And, you know, and, and document that part of it because the history, as much as we want everyone to know it, it's just, it's such a huge chapter that we didn't have time to address it in 43 minutes. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we really focused on, like, trying to make activity happen with the parents and trying to see what would happen and seeing, you know, if Corey and Jen were, you know, what kind of situation they were in. Um but yeah, so it, so we've really tried to actively be on social media and do interviews like this and let people know that like, yes, you did not see the history on the episode, but we can't stress enough that, you know, what you've been told or, or have heard about that house is not correct. And especially like this poor Bathsheba Sherman, who, you know, just happened to live on like a neighboring farm and was never a witch <laughs> or anything like that. And her grave, like they can't even keep her headstone in the in the graveyard because it keeps being desecrated and knocked over and, and people like put graffiti on it. And so they've taken it away. And so uh, there, we actually filmed at the cemetery us like putting flowers on her, her little nub of a grave that's there. And I, I think our dream is really for her to be able to have her headstone restored in some way and you know, have that all kind of taken back. But that, that, that's kind of like a byproduct of our show. Uh, and in this case, we couldn't focus on it entirely, which was incredibly difficult for us. Well, and, and I mentioned this to Kenny in, in the beginning part of the show. And I know that both of you are from elsewhere, but you've, you've both been longtime New Englanders now, and you've done a lot of cases uh, both for the show and, and before in New England. So you understand mm-hmm. that, that this is part of what we run into a lot of the times is that the kind of the oral history and the rumor of the history of some of these places doesn't always jibe with what you find out in the actual research, but yeah. it's almost like the legend becomes fact, you print the legend. These these stories just develop over time, and it's it's hard to fight that with the actual real mm-hmm. research. Well, that's oh, what yeah, and we're facing all, it today it's, it's on social about. media. You know, done, People are arguing done, about that. <laughs> yeah, tons of, hold, hold we've on done tons of cases where, you know, people think they know what the case is about, and we show up and present actual factual, you know, research and history, and we say, well, actually, it's this. You know, we, we, we did a ton of research on this case. We went through all of the Arnolds. We know about the hanging. We know about, you know, people that might have died, but maybe not on the property, that were associated with the Arnold family. Like, we went through the entire thing, and I, uh, you know, we do our due diligence, and I think that's the cool part about kindred spirits. Like, we are not afraid to dig deep into actual history and say, look, New England, listen, God love you. It's a great story. It's fun to tell over a fireplace, over a campfire on Halloween, and it's an awesome story because we live for those. But here's the truth, and here's what we know, and look how cool the story actually is (laughs) when you know, because sometimes the truth and sometimes the uh, actual information is spookier and scarier than anything you can make up. Yeah. I mean, and like, I, I actually like, so Kenny and I were exchanging messages last night and Kenny's actually helped us on our show before. And he's helped us yeah. like, uh, disprove a photo in season one, which was amazing because that family did not believe us. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, um, 
you know, you you want to be able to tell the story correctly. And that that's, so I was telling him that we, like, ghosts are up for debate. Ghosts and the existence of spirits and everything, that's all up for debate. But on our show, the history is not up for debate. So, like, we can all talk about whether or not, you know, the paranormal exists and what it is all day long. But, like, the facts and the history and the stories, those are the things that we always want to get right. Because I think Adam and I are both very passionate about history and, and loving history is a really wonderful byproduct of being interested in the paranormal. And, you know, there are people that probably would not even have, like, looked at the history of any of this if they didn't have a his- or if they didn't have an interest in the paranormal. And so let's get that part right. That part's factual. That part's provable. That part, there's records. Like, we can get that right. But everything else, yeah, it's a belief system. Like, let's that's fun. Let's talk about it and decide whether you believe it or not. But the history is super important. I did see a comment uh, floating around under, you know, as, as we're sharing out, you know, getting ready for tonight's show, people are kind of responding with what they thought of the program last night. And one of the one of the criticisms that I saw of last night's show I thought was really odd. Somebody said, gee, for a house that was supposed to be so haunted, they didn't really have a lot of activity. <laughs> I was like, do you not yeah. understand the point of this show? It's not just yeah, about I the activity. We, I, God, yeah. I they took out this clip of me saying, um, I wish you know, table, like beds were levitating and I got thrown across the room. Like, I wish that happened. But you know what? Thank God it didn't. Because we don't have to go to Corey and Jennifer and go, well, guess what, kids? <laughs> Good luck. You might want to yeah. ask. It's not too late to try to get your money back, although I think Norma's not going to give it to you. No, no we would have bought it. It's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, I mean, but that is, so that, but that's why we actually said to them, we were like, okay, we do think it's a personality type or like there's something here that makes activity happen because you can't, you can't be there with the parents and see their faces and see what they went through and not realize that something very real happened there. And then you can't look at their son who had really profound experiences and go, okay, like, no, that didn't happen. You know, you, you realize there's something there and there is a perfect recipe that has to happen for that activity to escalate. And that's why that was the first case where we were like, we kind of think you need to be careful here because we don't know what, who this is in the house, which we've never said before. (laughs) And we don't know what they're capable of. And so it's funny because that kind of lack of activity actually concerned us a little bit because we knew that there was very real activity that had been happening there for a number of years. I, I love when people say, you know, well, can we really trust the parents? Like, yes, because you've got all of these people that tell you the same story of something that happened to them 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And when they tell you that story, like it, it doesn't change. They, and the, you can still see the fear on, on their faces when they talk oh, about God, some of the yeah. things that happened. And I don't know about you, but I can't get my family to all remember like our trip to the zoo the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everybody right. remembers something right. totally different, but when it comes well, to this, they all have crystal clear recollection of something because it was that profound. Right. And if you and, and if you look at their case, like from a base perspective, from like start, right, they're a family that had crazy activity that they couldn't explain. Somebody came in and gave them a solution, right? They told them something. And so that family latched on to that, what, whatever they were told, because they want answers. And they want to make sure that this, you know, whatever it was, right? But I think over the years, they've gotten more information. I think they've 
you know, uh, especially with our history and our research, like they, they, they now know the actual history of the house and the research of the house. And I think they were, they were hoping for answers. They were desperate for answers. So these people, you know, these people tried to help them in the beginning. I say these people, but we know who we're talking about. They tried to help them in the beginning, but I think they, it's just, they were normal people who had crazy activity and it stuck with them for decades. Yeah. You can't look at Cindy in that episode last night and not realize how affected she was. I mean, she was literally shaking and crying being back in that home and she's never going to go back. She was just like, that's it. I'm not ever coming back here. And, you know, to, to see that in person, you, you just realize, okay, this, someone here was deeply affected by something and and i'm i'm not the person to sit here and try to tell them like oh no you, you know this never happened to you <laughs> so and didn't i read somewhere that she was concerned about your own daughter going to the house she was so um so whenever we have local cases uh i have our babysitter will just bring charlotte over for like dinner break or whatever she gets out of school she comes over because you know you've been around like filming there's a lot of downtime like you're sure. sitting and waiting for cameras to be set up and so I'm like, yeah, bring Charlotte over for a few hours. And she kind of hangs out and in between takes and whatever. So she loved that house. Charlotte was all over the house, like upstairs, downstairs, basement, ran all through like the field, like just had a field day there. Loved it. They also had an Xbox, which was a big hit for her. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I was explaining, to that, uh, explaining that to Cindy as we walked up the driveway and we had this moment where, you know, we're walking up and I was trying to make her feel comfortable. And I said, you know, Charlotte's been here all day. She's been having so much fun. And 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 Cindy, like, kind of looked and she was smiling and she was looking at everything. She's like, yeah, we had a really good time here, too. She's like, and, I, and it's great that your daughter had, had fun. She, and But then she looked at me and her face just went straight, like, just really glum. And she just looked at me and she said, but this is no place for children. And she just walked away from me like and I was just left standing there, you know, and, and, it, and she just she was kind of warning me. I mean, at that point, it was too late and Charlotte's clearly fine. But <laughs> well, one question that I'm going to ask and you guys can um, feel free not to answer if if you prefer. Did did the previous owner show up at all during the filming? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, she did. She yes, did she show did. up unannounced. Um, she showed up. Uh, she did. Actually, I mean, uh, okay. I can't. Uh, are you ta- who's talking? I can't barely hear Amy. It sounds like it sounds like both of you are trying to avoid talking. Actually, no. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, Listen, she did like show up, and I'll say like she showed up in the driveway, uh, and you know we wanted to interview Norma, uh, the previous homeowner, and. Uh, she showed up, she was very aggressive and angry, and I think, um, you know, it fits her personality, she's very passionate, I get it. She didn't know who we were, she didn't know what we were about, she thought that uh, we were just there to to exploit the house and to further the propaganda about Bathsheba, Um, but, you know, we got to talk to her between her screaming at us, (laughs) <laughs> we were able to speak to her and tell her, you know, it's not about Bathsheba. I don't know if you've seen our show. You should watch it. We're all about history and facts. And, uh, you know, and, and, she, and she went on her way. 
And we would have loved to have interviewed her, but I think uh, she is very passionate, and it was just not the right time for her. Um, and I, you know, it, it is what it is. Maybe one day it would be it would be nice to talk to her about it, since she knows what we're. Hopefully, I think at this point, there have been enough people online that have uh, alerted them to what we are doing and who we are. So hopefully, she's seen our episode and knows that we're not about perpetuating a false history uh maybe you know uh, we want to go back to the house we want to go back and continue to investigate maybe she'll talk to us again in the future um i get her but but bottom line i i get i get her you know we understand where she's coming from uh and good you know she doesn't own the house i get it she doesn't have to worry about it anymore she could go home and like do her own thing and no one's going to call her or contact her about the house ever again like it's just it's just the thing um yeah i mean but I, it, it's one of those I hope things the dialogue like continues. It's, it's almost like what we face which is yeah, you exactly. see people talking about you and putting words in your mouth mm-hmm. and it's hard to not respond and i think at this point just like you know as someone who just enjoys peace in my life like <laughs> i look at I, I i saw her that day and i was just I felt so bad for her because I was I was just kind of like, wow, you you won't let this go. Like you you don't even live here anymore. And I get it that people are saying things about you online, but like this is your chance to just break free, girl. Right. Just break free. And, and and I and and it's it's hard. Like I know it's just, it's it's like when somebody writes something really terrible and I can't help but respond, you know. And I think she's doing that a little bit. Um, and so I, 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 like Adam said, we totally get it, but at the same time, like life is too short. She has a get out of jail free card right now. Like mm-hmm. no one, like if, is if she backs off, no one knows her. Like I, I promise like in a year or two, no one's going to be knocking on her door. You know, people just refer to her as the form, former owner. They don't know who she is. I would just move on but, like it's in the best place it could be now. But, but by the same token, I mean, and and I know this is before your time uh, on Ghost Hunters, either of you, but, you know, maybe you know more than I do. It, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Ghost Hunters knocked on her door in 2005 no. and said, hey, we want to put you on TV because nobody knew no. about that house then. She had to no. have reached out to them or mm-hmm. or let it happen that she, you know, the, the bottom line is she was on television talking about activity happening in that house long before The Conjuring came up. Exactly. Sure. And that's why I'm kind of like, just walk away, girl. Like, you you are a dichotomy at this point. Like, you, you, you have this over here that you said and now you're trying to back away from it and like, just let, let it go because she clearly thought something was going on there. And yes, I realized that like what she said on the episode, it wasn't like super extreme activity like the parents had, but she definitely had things going on and we were in the home and we've seen her collection of books and that her husband had and everything like they're clearly into the afterlife and the occult and spiritualism. And like, it's all still there. She left it. And so it's kind of like, her husband okay. was fascinating. It's time to his just writings, like... his all of his writings are there. Um, books yeah. on his writings on transcendental meditation, uh, books on uh, the devil, books on uh, rel- many different types of religions. 
Um, he seems like a very, he I mean, I'm speaking just because I'm just looking at his library, not that I've met him. Right. So this is just hearsay. But like when I look at his library, I, you know, I, or their library, I, I think of them as very cultured individuals who read a lot about many different types of things, right? And whatever it is. And, 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 uh, I, but bottom line, we w- obviously we wish her the best, and we you know hope there's some peace and whatever. And uh, if if we ended up in that house again, which I think we should because we aren't done. I mean, our episode, it, it, spoiler alert, is a to be continued. Um, and if she's willing to talk to us about anything at all, like it, it's totally we're, we're an open door policy. We have nothing to hide. We'd love to we'd love to speak with her about. Her experiences, or maybe her husband's experiences. I mean, I have to say though, like, I don't know what her best case scenario is. Like, I, I I just wonder, like, what is she hoping to get out of all of this? Like, she let the house go now, and so now to keep pursuing it. And I will say, she literally showed up in the driveway screaming without even letting us speak. And so I just can't. I'm like, what? What? This is what we have one life to live. And what do you hope to accomplish with this? Well, and so I'm hoping she's thinking about that because we, we would love, like, we're trying to clear the air. We're trying to get the history straight. So what else can we do? <laughs> from, from, a, from a skeptical standpoint, I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, you know, I hope that her mindset on this didn't change just because she filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the production company of the mm-hmm. film and had to withdraw herself away from this. And even though she lost the case, She's trying to save face by by making this total 180 on what went on there before, but yeah. that'd be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to keep the doors open because if you're going to continue the investigation there, of course, if part of your theory is that you know it didn't happen for her, but it happened for the Perrins and the Heinzens, you need to kind of bring her in. You need to have her yeah. be involved to, to to be the control in that experiment. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing here is that even without her involvement. Uh, now they, they now have the historical society behind them because right. I think that Corey and Jen are very much like, let's get the history straight here. And so now the historical society used to hate that house. They hate Even when Adam and I went to the historical society, they barely wanted to talk mm-hmm. to us. But we were like, no, 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 we're not like everyone else. We really do. We just want to get this right. Please talk to us. And so that really opened a whole new door. So now you've got this house. It, it has interesting history. It's very old. It has obviously this paranormal history to it. It's always going to have this like fascination around it. And so with the cooperation of the historical society, you know, and Corey and Jen, like this can be a very good thing. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully like everybody comes around at this point, like the former owner is the only person that is not on board with all this. This is a chance for the community and everyone to work together, and I think it, it's it's going to be a great thing. I'm excited to see the future. Yeah, now. I mean, the historical society came to our viewing of the episode. They showed up at the house and were very complimentary and, and talked to us. So, like, that's a step in the right direction. Sure, if anything, absolutely. Well, speaking of the future, I mean, what what else can people expect in the season? I know. You know, the things have changed a little bit now with, you know, Chip joining pretty much on a full-time basis. So this is going to be 
you know, a little bit of a different dynamic than what we've seen. Obviously, we've seen him involved in some of the investigations before, but now he adds a whole new element to what you can do in some of these cases. Yeah, I mean, so we have Chip. So Chip's doing what he's always done. We just bring him to every case now. Mm-hmm. And so um, he comes in for one night. He does his, like, walkthrough. And so he's just, like, one element to our case, which is amazing. It's an amazing element. He blows our minds on a regular basis. Um, but, yeah, no, the, this season is really compelling. Like, next week is actually another semi-local case. It's on the Cape. It's a family. Um, probably one of the most, like, powerful cases we've done in a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, Adam, what else do we have to look forward to? There's so much going um, on. <laughs> there's a lot of cases. There's a lot of cases this season that have not been on television ever. And I mm-hmm. think that's a big thing for us because, Yes, we like to visit these places that, A, we would like to go into or go back to. But there are a lot of cases on this season where people have inve- who, who, have, who have reached out to us and said, listen, there's crazy activity in, in, this, in this place and we don't know what's happening. Uh, there's uh, the May Stringer House in Florida, uh, which is an amazing, amazing case with tons of history. And... Uh, Uh, That's just to name one. But, like, there's a lot of cases that, you know, haven't been featured on television, which, you know, I think is great. It's one of those things that, um, uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, This is one of those things that uh, I feel like people are really looking forward to uh, because there are a lot of shows that do a lot of the same places, but we have a lot of really great cases coming up where no one's. No one's gone to and and a lot and more family, which I, I think people really enjoy about Kindred. And I always go back to the to the production value of the show. Uh, you know, people always will complain like, oh, if I have to watch one more show where they spend, you know, half the show in, in night vision, I'm going to go crazy. It gives me a headache. I love the way that your show is filmed, the, the atmospheric use of the lantern light and everything. It's 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 a great way to present this stuff in a way that it keeps it suspenseful but it shows that it's not this terrifying, scary thing um, and once it's understood. That it's, you know, well, when, yeah. when it's unknown, it's scary, but once you can kind of understand it, you can make peace with it. Yeah, yeah we also, do that on purpose. We look better not in IR. And <laughs> <laughs> you do. Uh, no, we wanted our show to be very cinematic. We, that was like, even from the beginning, we were like, we want our show to be a, like a documentary style, but also look like a movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So they, they've really I mean, succeeded in that. And it gets better. The production value gets better every season. Yeah, I was going to say, there's one case coming up toward the end of the season. We get to do the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park. And uh, that location is historic, amazing. And the history surrounding that place, uh, there was a, a ship that actually caught fire and then ran aground right outside uh, the location. Uh diving into that kind of thing was incredible. I mean, uh, everyone loves an old theater, but that, that episode at the end of the season is something wonderful that we can all look forward to. Well, uh, hopefully everybody will tune in Friday nights, 9 o'clock on the Travel Channel. Just a reminder for everybody out there, if you didn't get to catch the episode on The Conjuring House, but you have it sitting in your DVR, watch it this weekend because that's what helps with the ratings. And uh, and also, everybody's talking about it. So you don't want to be showing up at the water cooler on Monday having not seen it when everybody's going to be discussing it. So, Well, guys, thank you as always for taking the time out to join us, and, uh, and hopefully we'll all get to hang out again soon. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, take care, and, uh, and good luck with all your further adventures. All 
right thanks all right bye amy bruni and adam berry of kindred spirits thank you to them for joining us now i know i said that we would have the phone lines uh open for people to share any discussion it is midnight but i i'm, I'm willing to go a little bit late monies i don't know if, if you have plans no okay so <laughs> if you do i don't want to know what they are plans <laughs> at midnight but uh i think we can kind of go a little bit longer with this because of the discussion that we've been having and you know the the chat room is lighting up on spooky tv at spooky and i kind of want to digest a lot of what we talked about here because we've been through a lot of this too ourselves with some of the the history of places and the stories that come up yeah one of the things that sticks out in my mind you know we're talking about how Again, it's kind of hard to really trace the roots of where the information came from. We talked a little bit about it with Kenny with the Bathsheba story. But if you want to say, you know, like go with what Andrea is talking about now. She mentioned it on the Ghost Adventures episode, uh, which if you've never seen that episode, it's on. It's available on demand. You can see our friends Keith and Carl Johnson in that episode, too. You know, we mentioned earlier, you know, longtime friends of the show, uh, the first people to investigate that house. So you can see there their experiences there with with the ghost adventures crew but she talked about you know this the information coming from a historian that told it to her mother that information was relayed to lorraine warren who then said that's who's haunting you that's who's bothering you in this house now i i do think that if you go through the warren history and i know that i've been criticized by some people as being overly critical of the warrens but in this particular case, it sounds like one of those things where somebody told her that, and she said, "Yeah, that's it. That makes sense." You well, know, you know my first encounter with her, right? It, well, it's it's all yeah, yeah. I don't want to make this whole show about about the Warrens because there's there's a lot of discrepancies, but there's a lot of good that they did. And really, would we be doing this show if it hadn't been for people like them yeah, that brought this stuff into the mass media? So. That all kind of plays into it. But I think that she kind of just made a spot reaction to information that she was given, and that kind of built this legend. And it happens more often than you think that it will. There's a lot of people who were, for years, totally convinced of the fact that Lizzie Borden had an incestuous relationship with her father, Andrew Borden, and that she had multiple misca- uh, multiple abortions, and that the doctor from across the street was coming over and performing these abortions in the basement, and they were putting the babies in the, 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 basin. the, the basin that's in the yeah. basement, and all these stories that came up. And it's become part of the story when people go, not from the historical tour now, no. but when people go there to investigate, they'll start talking about that. And it was a long time before we got any kind of backup for that story. And even then, it's still tenuous to some degree. Well, well the only backup they got is what was mentioned in certain diaries and letters so, back and forth. But Faye Musselman yeah, came, yeah. Into, came into possession yeah. of a number of letters that were uh, sent between external members of the Borden family right. talking yeah. about what happened in Andrew and Abby and Lizzie and, and you know, in that house itself talking about all of that. And so what happened was psychics brought that information into the fold and people just took that for fact right. for a long time. And even those letters don't really prove anything. It could have just been rumor among the family. Yeah. I mean, people make up rumors about people all the time. It doesn't mean that it's true. So, especially within family, 
and especially something like that. Yeah. You know, because people would look at it weird that a, a 33-year-old spinster is still living at home with her parents. And so, the, you know, these rumors probably were rampant at the time. But it doesn't make them true, necessarily. And so, when you look at the story that these psychics presented, it's become not only part of people's investigations when they go in there, but they get reaction to it. And so now it's become almost accepted as fact by people because of the fact that it it draws stuff out. You know, what do I do when I go there and somebody else is investigating? Oh, yeah. I open up the door, I yell the I word, close the door and leave. Yep. Say, have fun. You know, I, I remember, I think the last time I did it was to, to Brian Kano. He was doing his, <laughs> uh, his event there and we popped in and I yelled it and I closed the door and then I texted him, have fun. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's kind of part of it now. It, it You do get a reaction from whatever activity is there when you talk about that i was here with andy lake um two weeks ago and i brought a couple of young investigators there i'm working on a project there throughout the winter both there and at Maplecroft. so um but one of the things that we were talking about is how certain things in that house will trigger and that the i word being exactly one of those things and of course what happens after we leave? Well, yeah, all hell breaks loose. loose. Yeah. But, so, but that activity could be because we're talking about that and they're offended by it because it's not true. We don't know. Yeah, well, but yeah. still, it becomes... It, it's a trigger. Either it, way. It becomes a trigger. Yeah. So, And I think that that's part of what can happen in a lot of these cases. You know, That's why what Kenny's talking about, doing the research, is so important because you let the legend become the fact way too easily now i go out and i lecture all the time about how sometimes you have to accept the legend in investigation because the legend does become true but you can accept it and you can incorporate it into your investigation and still know that it's not historically accurate you still have to have the right historical basis so i think going into an investigation of the conjuring farmhouse and saying we don't know you know we're, we're pretty certain that Bathsheba Sherman is not the one haunting this place. But we can be fairly certain, yeah. Does talking about it Bring change the in. activity? Well, well, could it also be she could the Tulpa be the, effect? It could be. I mean, yeah, yeah it's a number but of these Before things. we even dive into that, okay. maybe it is Bathsheba Sherman's ghost that shows up and doesn't like the fact that people are yeah. accusing her of things right. that she didn't do. You know, like we have this obsession with the idea that ghosts have to haunt the places where they lived not true at all hmm. because if that was the case why do we have to worry about what follows us home uh, you know like we see this all the time when we've had it happen on our own investigations where yeah. spirits from other places reach out to us in completely different locations so and i'm sure amy and adam and anybody else can tell you that the same thing has happened to them so we have this obsessive idea with well this person never lived on the property so therefore they can't haunt it absolutely they still could we can't say yeah. that that's not not the case because they didn't live there didn't mean they didn't like the place or have an interaction or even that they were brought into it right you know we've heard the story Summon, you you so and i heard the story years ago before i was into this stuff but you know we've talked about it over the years there used to be a certain bar that you and i would hang out at oh yeah and there was a guy who did not live there but he stayed oh, there yeah. when he died because i saw him in the days that he was there he was a frequent customer i saw him when uh, when it was a bordello and yeah. uh, he would be he was their their most popular customer and so yep. when, when he dies i mean i think he might have think they said that he might have died in the act in the house yeah. but 
But still, yeah, you know, you can go to the places that you loved. You don't have to be tied to the places that you you died or that you lived. That's. Uh, uh, and I yeah. feel confident saying that, even though we really don't know. If we'll it's call true that enough. guy Charles just to give him a name. You know, when he died, he, the place wasn't his. Right. He, he, like you said, he just frequented it, and he had been seen for what fifty something plus years mm-hmm. in the place. And I, you know, I knew the story, and I knew the place was haunted. But when I, and it's one of the clearest full body apparitions I've ever seen. I mean, this looked like a regular person walking behind the pool table, and the people playing pool were watching him, and the guy next to me, all we all watched him, and, and, and then he just walked right through the wall. I especially don't want to get it get into it on the air uh, because of there's stuff going on um, okay. amongst the the kind of people that frequented there, and some of the people that wouldn't have been allowed in there. If you get what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So there's that's it's very. Uh, it's a tinderbox right now with some of the stuff that's going on, so I don't want to get too into it. Let's just say that the people that frequented this bar were not the kind of people that were prone to fantasy. No. They were not going to turn around and you know make up a story. Like, if they tell you that they saw something, like you have to take that seriously because uh, this was a, a no BS kind of place. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's about <laughs> as deep as I want to get yeah. into it just because of some of the other stuff that's going on externally. Uh, but the... The uh, <laughs> Chuck in the chat room, not yeah. Charles. Use a different name. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> the the but the idea of it having to be somebody that lived there. I mean, obviously, nine times out of ten, it's probably the case, as Amy and Adam can prove in the yeah. cases that they've investigated for kindred spirits. But you know, if enough people are talking crap about Bathsheba Sherman, maybe she does show up to say, "Stop talking about me." Uh, what what I find interesting is that. And, and I guess he's not going to be able to call in. Um, I think this is Lamone on hold, so I've been waiting for the end before we t- talk to him. Yeah. Uh, but the because I, I just don't want to derail the conversation. Right. But the person that I invited to call in, he's a, another paranormal investigator. And 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 Chris, if you're listening, you can call in, please. Uh, this would be a great time to to call in and discuss before we hang it up for the night. He has gone there and investigated the house many times when it was under Norma's ownership. Uh, He is somebody who takes issue with places being portrayed on television and in movies um, and some of the stuff that changes when they change the story. Uh, I want to reiterate to people that I don't know anybody in the paranormal world, anybody that works in the quote-unquote paranormal field, as much as I'm starting to hate that term, that intentionally changes the history, makes up activity, does any of that. You know what I mean? I know people that go into these episodes with the greatest of intention, and then stuff gets edited, stuff gets changed. It's out of their hands. Right. Unless you're Amy and Adam, and you're the executive producer of your show, I don't know what Ghost Nation's involvement is, like how, you know, what, what roles that the investigators there have in terms of production. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at the credits yet. You know, Grant, with the new version of Ghost Hunters, I'm sure he's serving a, an executive producer role. And, and Zach, with Ghost Adventures. Like, unless you're somebody that has one of those high-up positions in production, yeah, you really don't have a lot of say in the actual production. And then... I can't picture a scenario 
at least based on my own experiences, where a production company is going to say no to a network when the network sends down notes. The production company always says yes to the network because the network's who pays the bills. Mm-hmm. They're not going to fight with them and say, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't change that. We can't do this. We can't do that. So the investigators go into this with the best of intentions and stuff gets bastardized well beyond their involvement in it. So let's just put that out there as a possibility. Now, you can say that there's people that might be investigating on some of these shows that are shoddy investigators. The ones that I've investigated with, that's not the case. But maybe it's possible. I don't know everybody on all these new shows and everything. Maybe that's possible too. So maybe you're thinking things are paranormal when they're not. But for the most part, there's no ill will and no bad intention going into the production of these shows and the investigations that are happening on them. One of the other things that people need to realize too is just because stuff doesn't happen when you go and investigate it doesn't mean stuff can't happen there. How many times did we go on Legend Trips events where we heard these places were insanely haunted and then we came in with this large group of people and maybe things didn't happen? Several times. More often than not, we always had stuff going on even with large groups, but it's entirely possible that places don't react well. There's been other times where we've packed a place and the place has gone insane. Right. So it's like the paranormal is a paranormal it's it's like a cat not a dog a cat does what it wants when it wants it doesn't perform tricks like a dog does not everybody wants me to come into their house there's probably a lot of you know living people that were like i I don't want tim coming over which is fine because i really don't like going to people's houses Mm, but not everybody wants me in their house and maybe when i go to visit some of these haunted places the ghosts don't want me in their house either. You know, it's entirely possible for plenty of groups to go like, all right, the paranormal group that investigated the Murdoch Whitney house first came out and said, eh, there was some stuff, but I don't think there's a lot of stuff going on there. We were the second group to ever go in and investigate that place. And what happened? Crazy activity. Yeah. With 65, 70 people in the house. Yeah. And, you know, we had legitimate, real experiences as part of that. It's like what Amy and Adam were talking about. Sometimes it's just, it'll happen to certain people and not to others. There's, There's a recipe that we don't understand yet. So whenever I see a paranormal group ever try to say that a place isn't haunted... Because nothing happened when they were there. My first reaction is, I, I, no, I can't take that as, as being, just like I really don't take it when they say a place is haunted. Now, if enough people well, it's say like it, this. it. Is is a lake not have any fish if you go there and you didn't catch anything that perfect time? Perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. It, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm a terrible fisherman. I suck at it. And I know there is... Thousands of fish in the pond have in thousand, my neighborhood. You can have a $1,000 reel and a $500 pole and the best bait and whatever. And I've, I've never caught a fish. Right. My son has had far more luck. He's better at it than me. But I, I can't catch a fish there to save my life, knowing that they're there. Yeah. And what is that a reflection of? I'm just not a good enough fisherman to be able to catch one. It, it, it may 
be, it's, be part of it, or it may be just your timing and and. But either way, it's that's me. That's what fishing is. It's me. It's the situation that I was in that time. Yeah. It's whatever. But it's it's me. It's not the pond. And that's what happens with some of these places. And I, I don't like it when a group can say, we have to discount all these other experiences that people have had because when we went in there, we didn't have any experiences. Who the hell are you to be the end-all, be-all as to whether or not stuff happens? And I don't want to get off on a little bit of a soapbox here, but <laughs> the guy that I wanted to call in, this is what he does. You know, he he, he just says anybody that has an activity in a place where he didn't get any is a liar. That's BS. Right. And it, it, it's... Especially if you're trying to claim to be scientifically investigating something. Yeah, okay. 99% of these people have no idea what this is. This really, is and, and to be honest with you, this is a, an argument that, you know, trying that, to that could go not keep this hour. show going on forever. But <laughs> let's stop with the science. Let's stop. No, it pays my bills. Well, oh, you mean for your day job, yeah. sure. <laughs> But 30 years now, over that, you've been investigating from a scientific perspective? Where has it gotten you? Headaches. What have most of your most profound experiences been? Experiences, experiences. right? Yeah, and that's what the... I can record them and stuff like that, but to me, I've established it for myself that it's something legitimate because I've been able to have repeated results. Because that's what science is actually about. Is, is it, it, I can't. I can predict a certain amount of uh, activity. Can I say it will happen on this time? No, you can't. And it, I'm, it, I'm not saying science shouldn't be part of it, but I'm saying like we can't depend on it to be what's going to prove this stuff. Overall, we've 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 given it a chance. Well, we've given it a really solid chance. Uh, um. As somebody that works with the stuff regularly, no, there. The, most of the stuff that's happening in the paranormal research is haphazard at best. Science works on uh, basically protocol. There is no established, accepted protocol, universally. Accepted. So you establish one. Well, well, that's just you, it. Trying to get everybody to agree, and well, and regular science says put, this put, is a hard thing to do as well. Put that aside. Okay. The world says Matt Moniz is going to come up with a standards protocol. and protocols. Okay. For paranormal research, and we're all going to follow it. And you put it into play, and we do it. We all investigate in the way that you've designed. We all come up with results. We all are able to have repeatable results. Now we bring those results to the general public. Yep. What's the general public say? Oh, the general public just wants to, you know, have the the flash of it. That, yeah. I don't the, even. I was going to say thirty percent, maybe, but I don't even want yeah. to put a number on it. A percentage of people will have their minds changed by right. science, but it's not going to change everybody's mind. No, because everybody has their own opinions. Period. And believe it or not, opinion factors a lot in I science. Mean, you can days. you can come up and you know tell me the existence of you know bacteria, and I can take your word for it because I don't have an emotional investment as to whether or not bacteria exists. I don't have a religious reasoning for whether or not bacteria exists. So I can buy a lot of what you tell me about bacteria because I'm not emotionally invested in it. People are too emotionally invested. Even if they say, I don't believe in the paranormal, they're already invested enough to say, I don't believe in that. 
it takes a pretty good emotional response to something to say, I don't believe in it. I mean, it's not an easy thing to be against it. Oh, I've had full-blown skeptics. They're not even really skeptics. They're technically cynics, but, you know, brought brought them into a place that uh, has had activity, and I've had, like, jaw-dropping stuff happen in front of them. They freak out. Two minutes later, that didn't happen. What do you mean? I got audio and videotape of you screaming like a five-year-old schoolgirl. Okay. <laughs> I was mean? mistaken. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's where we're, where we're at with it, where people are too emotionally invested in whatever it is that they believe to really have their mind changed. It's like trying to tell somebody on the opposite political spectrum of you right now, why they're incorrect in something, hmm. you know, it just, the facts don't matter anymore. It's, you've reached the point where you're emotionally invested, so facts aren't going to change your mind. It has to be an emotional response that changes your emotional response, which is why I always say, I can get the best piece of evidence, data, yeah, but I can get the best piece of it, whatever, and show it to the entire world, and what's it going to prove? I'm doing a better job of spreading the word that hauntings exist if I'm taking one person at a time out to have their first paranormal experience that I am to try to show millions of people a piece of, of data that I collected on investigation. We've done that countless times with our, um, you know, spooky events and legend trips. You know, people that have never had experiences have had them and it's changed quite a few people in their opinions and their views. The question I get asked, Tim, when you guys have an event, why don't I see you, you know, walking around with a camera or walking around with this or doing that. Because we're watching you. Because I've already made up my mind. Yeah, uh, we're watching your reaction. I'm here to help yeah. other people make up yeah. their minds. And I'm not trying to force it on anybody either. It'll happen for you if it's meant to happen. Right. So, but anyway, that's, you know, we can get deeper into that some other time. Um, I, I I think we're probably going to wrap it up here. So let's let's go to the phones and, and take our, our final caller. Uh, hello, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, what's shaking? What's going on? How's that phone before we get going into this? It's pretty good, if you ask me. Uh, that doesn't sound so good. Lamone, we got to break this down. Are, are, do you? Hold on. Bear with me here for a minute. We're going to fix this problem right now, here and for good. All right. You're on a cell phone, right? Yeah. And that cell phone, are you on a Wi-Fi network in your house? No, I don't use Wi-Fi. That's too dangerous. Do you have a Wi-Fi network? You don't have a Wi-Fi network in your house. I've got my my network, my Sprint network. I don't need to use the Wi-Fi unless I'm overseas or somewhere like. That. But but is there Wi-Fi in your house? Um, I can turn. I can get Wi-Fi, but it's kind of dangerous. Because I'm, I'm right near a fire department. I'm not trying to get the fire department to get off my get off my business and stuff. I'm just wondering if your phone is picking up interference from a different network that you're trying to be on the phone and it's trying to connect to wi-fi or if you're on wi-fi and it's trying to connect to the mobile network that's what i'm i'm trying to determine here but you're you're on the cellular cellular network in your house with no wi-fi network interfering with it well I, right now i've got i've got um youtube channel. i was watching the thing and you know while i was listening to the listen to it so i was watching the live uh the live um not the live but the 
live with comments and stuff like that. Right. So do you? That was doing. Do you? What what kind of phone do you have? I have a Sprint, uh, a, a Samsung. Okay, so it's an Android phone. So yes, just is. just make sure that you turn off the Wi-Fi calling option on it so that it's only picking up the cellular network, and maybe that'll boost your network a little bit so it'll sound better. Does it sound okay right now? You, 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 you sound better than, than usual right now, so. I thank you. I'm glad. Okay, so, um, well, you let, like- let's clarify that. Your reception sounds better. <laughs> That's okay. it. He took thank that shot, sorry. not me. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll take another one for, for everyone else, too. All right, so um, what I was saying is, like, you know how, like, uh, you know, like, you can get jerseys for every for every area, for every age you are. Like, like if you're 40 years old, you can get a, a jersey for 40 with 40 on the back. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't get jerseys with 42 on the back, and you know that. No, oh, yeah, they don't. Like baseball, football, basketball, they don't do anymore because they retired. They retired at across all sports for Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Except for over the, like you, except for like a, a soccer, they don't do the bags for soccer. I'm, I haven't seen any forty two in soccer. Can't say that either, but yeah, that's I, pretty cool. So. I still remember yeah. when uh, when Michael Vick got, got caught up in that whole thing where uh, he was referring to himself as Ron Mexico, and <laughs> I went on the Atlanta Falcons website and tried to buy a uh, Ron Mexico jersey. How much? What, 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 what number was it? They, uh, I, whatever his number was, but they wouldn't let me do it. Seven, Me- seven. Putting Mexico on the back of the jersey was one of the terms that was blocked by the NFL. Even even they have the they go over and play in Mexico City. Yep, they but they would have Mexico. They wouldn't let you do flag. it because they they put in certain terms to 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 block it. So there's certain words that you can't get put in on an NFL jersey. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. You know, you know, like how they put the stickers like in college football, they have stickers like that. With the Mexican on the back of it, that's about a size go like that. So I too wish I could talk to Amy and them, and I might have some good a couple times for them. But until I get to talk to them again, whenever. Yeah, hopefully next time we have them on, we'll get them in the studio. It's just they they both. You know, we're traveling last night to, to get to Harrisville, so I didn't want to say to them, hey, can you guys come to the studio? But, you know, if you've, if you've heard Amy on the show before, she always likes to come in. Um, and Adam lives a little bit further away from us. He's probably about two hours away. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit harder for him to come in studio. But Amy's, she's a little bit further away now, but she's still pretty close. I just knew that they had a late night last night, so I said, phone is perfectly fine. And their phone sounded worse. Their connection sounded worse than I do. Well, what happens is the right, more Matt, right, Matthew. the yeah, more phones uh, yeah. we put into the system, the more the signal degrades. So I didn't want to take the risk of throwing a third phone in there and having it really, really drop out. Uh, again, everything I've, I know I've said this, but everything is going to get redone. The construction people have been here. I'm going to show Moniz after the show what they've been doing in the back. It's going to blow his mind. I saw some of it. But they're they're putting in some new offices, and then when they're done with that, they're going to redo the newsroom, and then when that's done, they're going to come in here and redo this studio. So eventually, some. So week, we're going to get a board from this century. This this was getting replaced with something that works better with the automation program, and then some week you're going to tune in and you're just going to see that we're all completely shifted in the way that we're sitting. Oh. So uh, it's time, to, it's time to go all Latino all night. <laughs> I think I'm better off that I cut out right there and I didn't yeah. get all of that. <laughs> All right, well, we're yeah, going to let you go, like Lamone, because we have another call that we want to squeeze in before we hang up. Well, hold before- on. Good beef. Like I said, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, see, this I'll is... We're losing you completely. 
okay, I remember. You know, because of Matthew and stuff like that about going and being Bigfoot. I've got like. If you I've come out here, pictures. I'll take you squatching. Okay, but I don't mind squatching. And it's like, you know, and it's like, oh, no. Yeah. When I go to like Honda's places and stuff like that, a lot of times ghosts. I think he yeah, just completely um, cut out. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna yeah. drop him off there. Sorry, Lamone, but the the call was degrading to the point where uh, we couldn't understand what you were saying. And I want to squeeze in one more call here before we call it a night. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, Tim. Hello. I uh, didn't realize you were on tonight until I caught you a little while ago. Yeah, we were uh, we were going a little bit overtime here, um, but we were on from ten to midnight. We'll be on next week too. We'll, we should be back in the mix pretty regularly now that uh, football's over. Or at well, least Patriots I wanted are to over. give you an update. People were asking in our chat room; yeah. they were hoping you were going to call in with an update. So I'm glad that you did. Okay, uh, I was to receive this uh, millions this past Wednesday, but I had to decline only because my father passed away. No, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So I will be. In the not-too-distant future, probably within a week, I should be gathering everything. And, um, and so they're bringing it to you, or you have to go to them? Oh, they're bringing it to me. And um, I sort of tallied everything up, and it's going to be like uh, $200 million and about 16 vehicles. 16 vehicles? You can only drive one at a time. Well, many of them include... A Mercedes and another vehicle. Uh, there, there are about six smaller sweepstakes that include uh, a Mercedes C-Class and another vehicle. If any of them are a Dodge Charger or a Dodge Challenger, let me make you an offer. Okay, we'll uh, we'll think about that because okay. uh, because because originally one of the uh, one of the things that I hit was the uh, Hawaiian Powerball. How, you, that, you hit that the Hawaiian was, Powerball. Yeah, and I never played it in Hawaii either. I thought Powerball was like nationwide. I guess it is, but apparently I was getting calls on my phone from Honolulu. And I ignored them, and they sent me a text message. And that particular one was for $400 million, And they wanted to give me the one-time payment, which I declined, because with the one-time payment, I was only going to get, if I was lucky, I was only going to get like maybe 100 75 maybe 180 million because they take everything out in tax sure yeah but in that that powerball alone there's a mercedes and a malibu um 10,000 gallons of gas on a gas card um a red lobster um gift card there's a bunch of stuff with it <laughs> that alone I'm sorry to laugh, but red lobster if you're getting all this money and you're going to go to red lobster man you got some problems well, that's what is included in the thing. But I was I was surprised that. But I mean, and oh, um, a thousand uh, also included a thousand thousand dollars shopping spree at Walmart. Wow! Uh, and that's only one of the do me a favor contests do, that I hit. Yeah, donate those to somebody that could use them. With with one hundred and seventy five million, you don't need to be shopping at Walmart, Walmart or eating yeah. frozen oh, lobster from Red oh, Lobster but, anymore. So, but you see, I, I'm not I'm not getting the I'm getting the annuities twenty twenty million a year for twenty yeah, years. I'm pretty sure you can still probably not shop at Walmart or eat at Red Lobster yeah. with that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, we live in New, we're in New Bedford, the best yeah, seafood in the world. The world yeah. There's a reason why the Red Lobster and Dartmouth oh, didn't last. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, I, I, I realized that we live in New Bedford. That's why, like, whenever I go to 
Foxwoods with a friend of mine. I always get go to the seafood section first, and he hits the prime rib, and I said, hey, man, where you're from New Bedford. Don't you get any seafood? <laughs> right. In fact, like I said, I was, buffet I was where we can all eat like we won $175 million. Well, like, you know, like I, like I say, I was hoping to be celebrating today down at the station, but maybe uh, maybe it'll be Saturday of uh, next week. All right, well, we'll be here. I'm very sorry for your loss, uh, and, and, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully everything is okay with your family and everybody's doing well. Oh, I, everybody, as far as I know, everybody's doing well, but it's been, like, this past month has been like a, a series of funerals, but... Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's been... It's been crazy. Let me let me ask you a question. Are you a big supporter of the arts? Um, uh, yes and no. Do you like, uh, like do, you, I said, do you like theater? Do you like going out to see a nice show in the theater? Oh, yeah. All right, because we, we have a nonprofit theater company on the Cape that, you know, if, you, if you're looking to make a, a wise investment, or maybe you're just looking to, you know, park some of that money so that you don't have to pay all the taxes on it, nice nonprofit theater company on the Cape that's... Uh, Run by a friend well, of ours. Looking, well, looking what, for some financial backing. See, what's nice is that all these sweepstakes that I've won, uh, what you, what it, like the Powerball, uh, they want it to be tax-free. So what I have to do is send $600 in for the Powerball. Do, uh, do me and a favor. Do, me, do yeah. not send anybody any money. Yeah. No, this is no, where you no, ran into is, trouble before. No, yeah, but you see, I ran into trouble before because I had gotten letters in the mail. They notify you by phone if you win something. If you get anything in the mail, that's where the hoax is. All of these contests that I won. And, of course, I got into trouble because I was dealing with uh, people. You see, once you win something, your name goes online, on the Internet. And what happens is people grab you, that information and they call call you up and then they say that they represent like i had people representing uh, homeland security fbi justice department until i sat down and called the justice department myself and had a lot of these people investigated many of them have been arrested there was a network of 30 people that were scamming me that were arrested on, on the southern border on the southern border yep on the mexican border they were doing in all Mexico or in United States? Uh, um, yeah, on, well, on, in the United States, but on the border. Um, they had something like 27 people that they arrested there. And the last guy that they were trying to get, he was impersonating a judge. And they, uh, they sent a drone after him at like 4 in the morning. And the guy was armed with like, oh, he had, I think he had an AR-15 or 45 and and a 38 and before he could even get a shot I got that in my car I'm being facetious I only have the 45 hey that always works though yeah it does Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would would just be careful about sending any more money I mean my understanding has always been they take the taxes out of the winnings no they don't you have to pay the tax if you don't pay the taxes you don't get the prize so, like, I could, I could say to them, well, I'm not going to pay the taxes. And they would say, well, you're not going to get the prize. And then they would forfeit the prize to somebody else. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I know. How much money have you given over now, you oh, know, well, through the well, whole process well, of trying to claim this, this prize uh, since it all started? How much would you say that you've, you've given over? 
Oh, I, I can tell you almost to the dollar. But it was it was people that were representing themselves as I, I told, yeah, I law enforcement. People. I understand. Yeah, where it about, kind of about ten thousand. So, and did you have ten thousand dollars in the bank that you weren't using? That was that you could just. Oh no! This was this was a total of over the three years, because what they did is they were they were taking me uh, for approximately three, three quarters. Three quarters or more of my pension that came in every month is what they were doing. So this this is money that you needed to survive. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, it it sounds like you know you're you're. It's not like it was just you know money you were putting away for a rainy day. Has your well, life well, has your life well, been yes affected? No, because I because I was living on it. Right. So has your life been changed uh, for the worse by having given up this money? Um. I would I would say a little bit because but you see I'm getting all that reimbursed because one thing that that happened uh, was the fact that I the money that I sent out stayed in the United States because I was getting calls from Jamaica which I ignored and I was getting calls from other countries and they uh, when I sat down with the Justice Department and different law enforcement people that I called myself. Uh, they told me that since the money did not leave the United States, that would all be reimbursed. Hmm. And and what I was initially waiting on was um, there was a lawsuit because they tried to wire me. I say they tried to wire me. They they were going to wire me forty thousand back in, on Labor Day of this year. And what happened was um, a U.S. senator blocked it. So the Justice Department lawyer went after this U.S. senator, who I don't know who it is, which I'm waiting to find. I'm curious to find out because they keep it all hushed. But when he came, he didn't tell me the results until he won. The results of that case was 114 million 180,000, and that is all completely tax-free because it's a lawsuit. Well. Uh, again, you know, it's 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 been a struggle for you, and and I know that things have changed. Hey, the last time I checked, though, the um, the uh, the house in in Sandwich is still uh, available, the Dillingham House. So, oh yes, and then uh, I've also looked into. Apparently, they're also selling the Lizzie Borden House, which I intend to buy for my younger sister because she wants uh, to I'm, do a I'm, bed and breakfast. I'm gonna I have to. I'm, I'm gonna have to reiterate again. Yeah, neither one of the houses are for sale. Yeah. The, oh really? Yes. No, so what, Correct. I think where the confusion came was the second house that she had, the Maplecroft house that she moved in after the murders, that was for sale a few years ago, but the people that own the Lizzie Borden house where the murders happened bought that house as well. So Matt was saying earlier he's actually been investigating both of them. So it's the same people that own both now. Well, uh, because I uh, I went on I went on to look online to look at the, where the murders were. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, from what I could get online was the fact that it was for sale because it needed repairs to come up to code, and she couldn't have a um, 
because of the zoning, she couldn't have a souvenir store. That was that was the other house. That was yeah. Maplecroft. Yeah. yeah, the house from after the murders. That's that was the issues that they've run into there, where they wanted to turn it into a bed and breakfast, and it's not zoned to be a bed and breakfast, and they can't get the zoning changed. So what they've been doing is they've been renting it out as an Airbnb. So people can rent the whole house out for the night to stay instead of just renting one room. And so the, it, it makes it so that people can still stay there and experience it. But neither one of those houses are technically on the market. But Leanne has always said, if anybody wants to make her an offer, she'll listen. I think she said that her starting price is something like $5 million, so which is you know, a lot more than it's uh, valued well, that's at. Right, that's right, because the, the Lizzie Borden house where the actual murders took place, uh, when I looked at it, it they wanted... Uh, uh, a little over eight hundred thousand, but it needed repairs to the back porch and something else. It said. Well, that, yeah, I think that was probably the other place. But both of them now are, are are owned, and there's plans for them. So unless you come in with a really like bowl you over offer, uh, which it sounds like you'd be able to make if you wanted to, but unless you make like one of those, uh, I, I, I can't really use the term on the air, but you know, one of those fu kind of offers, then yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna hold on to those so but the dillingham house is there that can be run as a bed and breakfast it's zoned for it and, and it's haunted and I, under, I understand that the dillinghams had a lot of properties too because i i saw different places with their name attached to them yep. along the case so they were a big family around the sandwich area they also were a big family in fairhaven as well there was an oh, offshoot really? of their family here and part of their family moved to hawaii to the big island and so there's a lot of dillingham properties out in hawaii dillingham's a very big name in Hawaii, there's there's the Dillingham School and all this kind of stuff, and those places all have activity associated with them as well. So all these haunted Dillingham places all over the place. But that that house and sandwich, as far as I know, is still for sale, four hundred ninety five thousand. So keep that one in mind, anyway. Well, there's there's a few I'm going to keep in mind. All but, right. Uh, like I say, I uh, I wanted to get. I was hoping to get to you guys a lot sooner, but uh, like I said, it'll be coming to a head in about a week. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, keep an eye out for you next week. We'll be here. Oh well, if if it comes in next week, uh, I'll probably be at the station most of the day. <laughs> All right. Hey, you, you know where to find me. Oh yeah, I know where to find everybody down there. All right. Okay, guys. You have a great weekend. And you uh, as well. We'll talking. Take care. Yep. Bye bye. Bye. All right. That's uh, the mark with our update there, and I think we're gonna have to call it a night now. We've gone pretty much overboard, uh, so. It's time that we kind of wrap things up and say goodnight to everybody. We will be back next Saturday night. As I said, we'll be here most weeks. There's a few things coming up where, um, you know, I might be doing some traveling and stuff like that. But other than that, we'll be here each and every week. Uh, and also, the questions popped up a few times in the chat room. Will I be hosting Midnight in the Desert this week? I will not be. Uh, Dave, well, at least I'm not planned to be. Yeah. Dave will be there all of this week coming up. But then the week after that, he's going to be on the Chris Jericho cruise uh, with Tim Dennis for the Beyond the Darkness uh, portion of that cruise. So I'll be filling in for Dave on the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Dave will come back on the 24th. And for those of you who are Midnight in the Desert listeners... You already know this. He's going to have a big announcement to make on the 24th. So people have been asking me if I know what it is. I, I couldn't tell you what it is. So I'll be listening on the 24th just like everybody else. And I recommend if you can't listen to the show, you can subscribe to it. Go to midnightinthedesert.com. Subscribe. Be a time traveler. It's $4.99 a month. You get 
every single episode that's ever happened in that show going all the way back to Art Bell for just four ninety nine a month, and it's delivered right to you as soon as the show is over. You know, Keith just basically uh, cleans up the audio a little bit, you know, does what he has to do with the trimming off the music that we can't play, and then psh, just sends it all off, and it's waiting right for you to listen. So you can subscribe at midnightinthedesert.com to follow along with that show and of course our archives are always available as well for spooky south coast wherever you get your podcasts and also on youtube as well if you want to reach out to us at any point during the week spooky crew at spooky you can also uh, reach out to us on twitter at spooky sc and uh, on instagram at spooky underscore south coast and really you know if you want to help us spread the spooky word we're fine with that too you can tell all your friends about it bring them all here great time with the chat room every saturday night with everybody thank you all for hanging out with us in the chat i love the fact that we have a a great little family in there a real spooky Mm -hmm. crew that shows up every saturday night and interacts so until next time for matt for matt for stephanie i'm tim we want you all to stay spooktacular